The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Everybody, I write content over there multiple times a week for DFS and season long, and you can find the Bench with Bubba podcast over there if you're not just downloading it from your listening platforms. And I want to let you guys know you can win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS premium pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new team sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, reacher stations, lineup optimizers, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, you get your MLB premium pass for an extra 10% off using discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com today and start rotoballing like a boss. Back everybody to another edition of Bubba in the Bloom, episode three. We have real baseball to talk about today, folks. We promised it to you last Thursday, and it came true. We have real baseball to talk about. I think it was like seven games on uh, on Thursday here. There's still a couple going on as we speak, so we'll have some fun stuff to chat up there. Some recent news, some good, some bad, and just an all around just fun time talking baseball because we have some good stuff to talk about. I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and my co-host is always the Bloom portion of the show on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, man? Doing fantastic, Bubba. Uh, last main event draft last night. Uh, could not sleep after that, of course, because the adrenaline was flowing. Opening day, Eve, all of those feels. Woke up this morning, took the kids to, gate, to daycare, and then uh, instead of turning left to go back to my house to go to work, I hung a right. Went to the golf course. Played, love it, love it. Played golf with a buddy here that um, my, my buddy Scott, who's in our our home league, new listener to the show as well, and then went over to his house and watched opening day. So it was a glorious day. Uh, sounds like a, a little bit of Masters day. in between, and yeah, like our worlds collided today. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, like I, I joked about it, I think, on my Tuesday show. I'm like, I just need to, like, call in sick on Thursday and Friday. I didn't. I just, you know, I had my iPad up in my truck, and I could hear it streaming and stuff and doing all that. I wasn't sitting there watching it. People don't panic. But, um, <laughs> like, I was – if I was, like, stopped, I could watch it and do that, all that kind of stuff. But it, it was it was glorious. Like for those that don't realize it, uh, Ryan and I, we love golf also. So the Masters is quite the deal. Um, and he inspired me because I went and um, when I got off of work, I put my headphones in and I went and walked nine. I'm like, I got to go hit some balls. Got to go have some fun. I've been doing that as often as I can because I can knock that out pretty quick on my own. So went and did that and I uh, caught up on baseball. It's uh, it's beautiful to um, – I joked because most people like it and get the joke. Some people think it's annoying. I don't care, but I like to like, you know, so-and-so dong. Like it's just one of my th- like, things I love to do. And like I finally got to do them. Like, oh, I've missed that so much. I saw <laughs> the – I saw the – I think it was the Tyler O'Neill dong. Yep. I was like, because I have a lot of is, shares. I have a lot of life shares. Life is good again. Yeah, it's funny, like the, the things that you forget about with opening day, like the, just the little things. So um, I saw like a lineup tweet this morning. I was yeah. like, whoa, um, I, I remember that I have a notification on my phone. There's an MLB HR yep. uh, home run account that just tweets out automatic. It's just a bot, but it tweets out every time someone hits a home run. And I was like, damn, I forgot about that. The last time that thing tweeted was, I think, Freddie Freeman in the World Series. So <laughs> just little stuff like that, that, like that's part of your kind of hourly routine almost yeah. in season that instantly goes away in off season then switches right back on and and uh and yeah like having all that stuff come back today was was, was all good feelings all around yep it was all good feelings plus tiger woods one under like it's whatever could yeah. go right seemed to go right um it's 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 good stuff as you said so we'll talk a little opening day here in a minute but we'll, we do have some recent news to discuss a little trade took place um, the San Diego Padres have their closer now because it is announced. They said Tyler or Taylor Rogers will be the closer for the Padres, which is fun after everyone spent money on Robert Flores and everything else over the last few days. So you got Rogers in uh, San Diego now, and Chris Paddock went over to Minnesota. There were some other minor pieces like Brent Rooker went to San Diego, who he could become a little you know, mess with playing time for some. But the main piece is Rogers Paddock. Let's go one by one here. We'll start with Paddock first. Um, you know, he was he, like this burst onto the scene a couple of years ago. It was awesome. Then he's had some issues because he's a two pitch pitcher working on the third pitch. It's been kind of a, an up and down thing for him. Um, maybe a change of scenery is going to help. Maybe pitching in a rough division or a bad division is going to help. What's your thoughts on Paddock going to Minnesota and maybe becoming more fantasy relevant again, or is just still concerned? I mean, I think at this point, a change of scenery is best for Chris Paddock. It obviously what, you know, whatever was what, what they were doing in San Diego was was not working. I think the best thing at this point in his career, we know Chris Paddock has the talent. I mean, he was he was a, a, a top one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. And he showed us why in the majors in, in 2019. So we know he can do it. Things just kind of got off the rails, a little bit of injury and that sort of thing. Um, even even a little bit last year, I I I think so. Yeah, the, the change of scenery is 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 good for him. I think he's um, he's in a better spot with Minnesota in terms of they obviously see something in him if they gave up Taylor Rogers to get Chris Paddock. There were some signs from Chris Paddock last year before some oblique, some elbow injuries torpedoed his second half that. Um, he could kind of get back to what we saw his rookie year. That was trying to mix in a curveball. Um, Paddock is so uh, fastball changeup heavy. Mixed in a little curveball and had a career high swing strike rate, thirteen percent swing strike rate in the first half last year with a three eighty four expected ERA. Like that's pretty good 
uh, peripherals before, of course, it all went down the hill and he got hurt and, and things unraveled in the second half. Um, but so there are signs that uh, that that improvement could be there. And you couple that with a new regime, a new set of eyes in Minnesota, like I think given where Chris Paddock was taken in draft season, I think it's worth a, a gamble. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'd, I'd throw down, you know, a, t- a ton of money in fab or, or whatnot, but it's, he's worth a stab given the combination of prospect pedigree, what we saw in the first half from Paddock last year. And again, a new organization, a new pitching coach to uh, kind of remix those ingredients and see what uh, comes out of that. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I, I'm intrigued. just because, we know what he was. We know a third pitch. Like he's still young. You'd imagine he'll eventually figure out that third pitch. Hopefully, figure out that third pitch. And if he does, that could be pretty filthy. Like we've seen what it did for Tyler Glass. Now, now I'm not comparing the two by any means, but just the addition of that third pitch can bring the stuff that made you so good before and just enhance it. And it's it's pretty simple stuff to discuss, but it really does make a huge difference. That's why there was so many critiques before. Like, you, you know, it works for now until they figure it out. But that third pitch can be tremendous. And I'm, I'm curious because getting to work on that third pitch against certain teams in that division isn't going to hurt. So that mm-hmm. that that's a big plus for him. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like you said, I'm not running out to go – make moves on him there's probably other guys i'd rather go take flyers on like i know we talked about him a lot last week and i went and picked him up as anywhere i could like i'd still rather have michael walker next week in two starts to go and get chris paddock like there's scenarios like that but depending on the depth of your league you know ale only league like there's there's good he's gonna get starts and we know in like ale only leagues that's a big deal like for um please forgive me tout or labor aren't you in ale only league ale labor or sorry ale tout yeah ale okay, tout where where yes he will be heavily bidded on um this coming fab period so yeah. you know in, in your in your deep ale only leagues yes this is somebody who you absolutely need to look at like for example i mean so on on wednesday night al mm-hmm. tout ran the first fab since we drafted in like mid-march mm-hmm. and the, the 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 big fish was aj pollock and you know because of the trade from uh from LA um, over to American league. And I put in my bid at like $352. This is a thousand dollar fab budget. I was like, oh, that's pretty aggressive. I actually, I really like AJ Pollock. The replacement level in AL only is like nothing. And he went for $701 out of a thousand with two backup bids over 600. To so it's kind of like, yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in those deep leagues, anything, especially on the hitter side, a little more on the pitcher side, but anyone with a pulse and anyone who has skills is, is they will be aggressively bid upon. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens with Paddock um, this Sunday night in Tau. It's a good point you make because hitters is so much harder to find that consistent playing time where pitchers, like injuries happen throughout the year. You're going to find guys that are relevant for like a month or two at a time. And that's kind of a more of an up and down, I wouldn't say fluid thing, but more doable. So that makes it interesting because I remember um, we had a listener question on Tuesday and they were like, I'm in an AL only league. How much should we spend on Pollock? And, I was like, I guarantee he goes for at least 550 to 600, if not more. And I had to explain to Toby because he doesn't play only leagues about like how important those at bats are. Like, people mm-hmm. will break the bank for those at bats. It's a different animal. And um, then when I saw Patrick Davitt got him for seven something, I was just like, yeah, it's wild, but it, it makes sense. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see where, where, where Paddock goes. It'll be very, very intriguing. Now the fun part, and we'll get back to Minnesota in a minute because this does affect Minnesota, but we'll go to San Diego here to Taylor Rogers, who we talked about on recent shows about how much we kind of were interested in him as a closer, like a mid-round option and a closer two or whatever. 
And I know I've been drafting him. We talked about him. Well, now he goes to San Diego. My first thought was, don't do this again. We just saw like Kimbrel get traded, and that messed up the Trinan thing. We seen Kenley Jansen go somewhere. I'm like, stop with all this. And at least they came out and said today, like a couple hours before we started recording, that Rogers is our closer in San Diego. Like straight up our closer. Nothing to worry about there. At least, at least for now. You know, it's coach speak. So that's a little refreshing. So, what's your thoughts on Rogers going there? And if for some reason you were one that went in on Robert Suarez or someone else. How are you handling that situation? I, I, I couldn't hear you, Bubba. I, th- I think I think that was Colin Weatherwax laughing as <laughs> as you were you were talking there. Colin uh, Colin chimed in with a listener question on our first show and uh, asked what we felt about Tyler or uh, Taylor Rogers as a top mm-hmm. one hundred pick. And I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And obviously, couldn't see this coming. But yeah, yeah. like Taylor Rogers now is a bona fide, I would say, top 10 closer. I'm kicking myself because in the main event last night, uh, my colleague, Brian Rudd at Baseball HQ, was drafting right in front of me, Team 12. I was Team 13, and he took Taylor Rogers one pick ahead of me in the seventh round. And so um, that was a great pick by him, and I'm, I'm kicking myself over not getting Rogers there because, yeah, with the regular job, I mean, that was the only thing that was holding me back from Rogers was Minnesota's kind of history of mixing and matching and going a little bit committee. That's pretty much out the window. Like uh, I don't really need to talk about how good Taylor Rogers is. Um, it's, it was really about the role and that, and that's gone now. It, if you did get, if you did draft Robert Suarez, like that, it, it, it just sucks. Like it's bad luck. That's closer roulette. Um, if you have a glaring need, I would say he's droppable. I yeah, I think you need to be aggressive, especially early in the season on some of these early fab breakouts and things like that. You need to speculate and you need to be aggressive in your drops. And I think holding Robert Suarez, basically you're just kind of waiting for Taylor Rogers to fail. And I don't think that's going to happen. So it, it kind of sucks, especially if you drafted late in draft mm-hmm. season to give up on like a 10th round pick. Uh, but that's a sunk cost and you can't let that affect your decision-making going forward. I think you need to be aggressive and, and drop even in 15 team mixed leagues um, drop Suarez, unfortunately. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And it's one of those, like if you don't have a glaring weakness and you want to hold them for a week or two. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, but there's yep. probably gonna be someone coming up on Sunday night. That's worth putting a bit in for. And he makes an easier drop than maybe some other question marks you have. Let's put it that way. Um, it stinks. Like you said, you're basically waiting for Rogers to get hurt or lose his job. And I think he has to be pretty bad to lose his job because it seems like the Padres are pretty faithful. Um, we saw Melanson keep the job all last year with some very competent arms back there. Uh, I believe the year before, I think it was, you know, a couple options going into the season and they pretty much locked into one dude. Like they're pretty, pretty much an organization that runs pure. Now that, you know, the coaching staff shifted around. So we'll see, but it seems like they traded for a reason and they, they were willing to come out and say what they said, I think speaks volumes because they didn't have to. They could have said, we got a lefty, we got a righty, we're going to do like the Giants are doing. Like it's McGee 70% and then Rodgers or Duvall. They could have easily done that and not said a word, but they didn't. And that's what makes it interesting to me. So, um, yeah, it's a benefit to those that drafted Rodgers and the not to those with Suarez. And that's just the breaks we get, as you said. It just It happens. It's happened all over the place. So do what you got to do there. Now the fun. Because with Minnesota, like you said, it was no, it was never doubting Rogers' talent. It was there was like three other options there, and they were all chomping at the bit, waiting to get their shot. And we even saw it last year when Rogers scuffled a bit; he lost his job, and then he kind of was in and out towards the end. And we wouldn't be shocked if that happened again. Plus, he was rumored to get traded about midseason. Well, it happened before the season now, 
So you have like looking at uh, our buddy uh, Greg Jewett. He already updated his chart, and I won't give everything away because you got to pay for it. But I'll tell you what he did with Minnesota here. There, well, here's the options. Let's put it this way. I'll tell you how he listed them. But you have Alcala, who everyone loved like a month ago, two weeks ago, and then kind of got nervous about. You got Pagan. You got Columba because Emilio Pagan came over in the deal. Mm-hmm. You got Tyler Duffy. It's a lot of people, Ryan. It's a lot of people. How are you approaching this? A lot of bodies. Um, I, if I was saying how I think this will go, I'd, I'd be lying because I have no idea yeah. um, until we actually see what they do. And we haven't, I, I have not even heard, at least today, I haven't heard anything from Minnesota. They didn't play today. Um, so it, this is all total guesswork and could be irrelevant by the time this weekend hits. Yep. Um, if I If I was just totally taking a stab at this, I would, I would guess it's a committee. If I had to pick one uh, that might stand out, it would be Tyler Duffy. I think mm-hmm. he would be next in line. I know Alcala is the kind of the, the hipster name, the sexy name. He's got the skills, but Tyler Duffy's been pretty good in that bullpen for a long time. Last year was, you know, just okay. A 318 ERA for Duffy, but in 2020, Duffy had a 188 ERA, 2019, a 250 era like that's and that 250 ra was over 58 innings with the skills to boot a 16 percent swing strike rate uh, over the last three seasons combined and the strikeout and walk rates to uh to back that up too so duffy i think if he if if duffy got the role he could be a a, a top 15 closer i just don't know if that's gonna happen but yeah if i'm speculating on one it would be tyler duffy if i'm speculating on someone else and i i took and i was always glad to see Phil DeSoe do the same thing that I do in a main. I took a 30th round final rounds stab at Emilio Pagan um, yeah. as did Phil just on the off chance that I, th- I thought he was going to get traded. And if he got traded as part of that deal, that maybe Minnesota sees enough in Pagan that, that they elevate him to the closer role. I have no idea if that's going to happen. If it doesn't, I'll cut him. Uh, but that's where I stand right now is, is Duffy number one, Pagan too, but probably a committee. Duffy's good enough if he has the role to be a really good closer. He's had really good skills for the last three years. Yeah, I like that that point on Pagan too. But Duffy right now seems like the guy, as you said. I think we have, there's nothing official that I've seen, but a lot of the buzz around, not just fantasy world, but just like beat reporters and stuff. It's like, okay, Duffy's going to finally get his chance to start the season. But like I said earlier, is we've seen Minnesota juggle that all the time, so it's it, it's a tough one to stand on, but. I think for now, Duffy's the guy, but this is not a situation I break the bank and fab for. Like, I don't feel overly confident in it. Like, if you're desperate after four days of baseball, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not uh, going and going crazy yet. I'd rather, like you did, go put a couple bucks on Pagan and see what happens. Uh, I was getting late round shares of Pagan, or at least talking about it with people um, when he was still in San Diego. When yeah. we didn't know what the role was there because it wasn't Suarez is 100% there. Pagan's closed before. He's over, he's had over 20 saves in a season before. Like he's got the experience to do it. And we saw last year with the Twins, Alex Colome had a lot of saves at the end of the he season. Did. Like it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden Rocco Baldelli goes, you know what, Duffy, you've been awesome in the seventh and eighth innings for us. I'm putting Pagan in the ninth. Nothing that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not yeah, sure that's what he's going to do, but yeah. Yeah, I mean the other the other interesting thing too is there's no really lefty righty comparison mm-hmm. now because Rodgers was lefty, and so yep. maybe we were thinking it was a you know just based on matchups lefty righty. Pagan's right-handed, Tyler, yep. uh, Duffy's right-handed, Alcala's right-handed, so that maybe lends itself to a little bit more of a structured 
bullpen. Again, just guessing, but since they're all the same hand, um, that yep. would actually lead to more of maybe like a pecking order as opposed to uh, matchups. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That's one to watch the weekend. Maybe we'll see yep. a safe chance yep. or two. That will definitely help for sure. We'll discuss that a little later. But uh, let's go to some other minor uh, minor deal that took place today. Um, Bradley Zimmer, so Justin Mason's probably crying somewhere. Maybe he's happy about it. I don't know, but he had a chance to start pretty much every day or at least you know, probably 70% of the time in Cleveland. Now he gets traded to the Blue Jays for Anthony Castro. Um, it's a crowded, crowded um, Blue Jays outfield now. So, you know, in deep leagues, people were drafting Zimmer. They were taking chances on Zimmer. He was a late steals option in deep, deep leagues. Pretty much not worth much anymore to me. What are your thoughts? No, I, I, I'm, I'm not interested, A, because he's the fifth outfielder now behind Tapia, I would think. And Zimmer just hasn't been that good. And I feel like we've been dreaming on what he can do for five years now. He's This is a age 29 season. So um, at some point, you got to you gotta let him free, even if you've been a Bradley Zimmer proponent for many years. I, I, I'm not seeing it with Toronto. Like, yes, two guys could get hurt. That lineup's awesome, um, et cetera, et cetera. But too, much, too many things have to happen for someone that also doesn't really have the skills in the majors that we've seen anything from. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving on from Bradley Zimmer, which I guess doesn't really make sense. Cause I never really had him in the first place. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I never drafted him either. I just know like Mason, that was one of his potential long shot, uh, net Cedric Mullins guys. So, um, we'll see what happens there. It's, it's a rough one for sure. Uh, let's go to Chicago. Some news. If you have Yuan Moncada, he's had at least three weeks. It looks like with his, um, what was it? wasn't oblique. What was it? It wasn't oblique. Yep. It was oblique. Okay, I thought oblique. I zoned out. Yeah. So it's a muscle injury before the season starts. Never good. <laughs> Never good. So what's your thoughts on this? Because these are things that can linger. They can pop up again. You're not dropping Yuan Moncada, obviously, but this is a big bummer right out the gates this season. Yeah, it is, especially because it's a soft tissue thing. I think that was one of the uh, listener questions we had, or at least comments or maybe frustrations uh, leading up to the show today and opening day. But um, yeah, you're not dropping Juan Mancata for for a three-week thing. I think you need to ride this out and just see what happens. But it's definitely a concern just because it is the oblique. That thing can linger. For the White Sox, for HQ, we we just wrote this up, and it'll be out in the morning for subscribers. But uh, the, the, the replacement... Looks to be Jake Berger, Can't and wait. that is that is that is not good um, in your mixed <laughs> leagues. I will probably. I mean, we were just talking about this in AL Tout Wars in an AL only league. Anyone with a pulse and a job um, is worth bidding on. So I may be ordering up a, a very cheap Jake Berger this weekend in Fab, but nothing uh nothing substantial and in mixed leagues i i think you just ignore this until um until mancata comes back yeah burger is fun because he's this big lovable fluffy teddy bear type guy that as of he's starting to get a fun social media personality but there's a lot of holes in that swing a lot of power in the swing a lot of power a lot of holes i did not know about the social media personality i need to he started it. it it's not out. like it's, it's not like massive yet, but he's kind of slowly getting there. He was posting stuff throughout spring training, and I want to say he started a YouTube channel or something. I didn't okay. go that far, but uh, he's starting to slowly get going. Um, Some deep draft prep. Yeah. Hey, the lockout was long. Like <laughs> there was there was stuff going on. Yeah, you, know, you can only stare at the same ADP for so long. 
Um, but he's interesting. Like I like him in deep, deep leagues if you're desperate at a corner infield. But again, like I said, with the relievers, I hope you're not desperate yet because if you are, this can be a long season. I hate to say it. That's going to be a rough one. So like if you want to put a couple bucks in because you want to get a power guy, maybe he's got good match. But I think we looked at their schedule the next couple of weeks. I'm cool with it. But don't go breaking the bank for Jake Burr because he will be gone the second Moncada can play. And we've seen the peaks and valleys with Burger, and the valleys are pretty deep. So keep that in mind as well. Um, let's talk some opening day fun here, and we'll start with the the first game. We'll kind of just kind of hit on all the games, like little quick thoughts or snippets through them. Um, Cubs got the dub against the Brewers. Corbin Burns looked human. He walked yeah. more guys today than he walked over like 100 innings or something last year, which is, or like 100-something batters or something last year, which was crazy, but that happens. Uh, Nico Horner went deep, but the takeaway, as you put in the outline, which was very fun, it was like guessing games. Rowan Whip came in in the seventh, I think it was, and when he got in trouble, Michael Givens warmed up. Then, oh, maybe it was the eighth, and then Michael eight, Givens came in. Michael Givens came in, and then Mr. David Robertson, who was a popular fab target last week, locked down the first save of the year. So, are we thinking this is going to be the standard, or what are your thoughts on the Chicago bullpen? Yeah, I know a couple of weeks ago I was I was clamoring to turn up the wick and wick was a well, you wick was both. a yeah, yeah, both of us. That's true. Yeah, I had, I had about a, I had about a about a three draft run there where I grabbed wick in every draft yep. and it was yeah. Which is fine. You you speculate on those closers and if they don't work out it doesn't burn you too bad, but it definitely I, I think Wick, at least tonight, because he did not look good either. So he came in the eighth in a tie game um, and did not get out of the inning. Uh, Givens, had, Givens warmed up and finished out. And actually, I would say Robertson didn't even get the highest leverage spot. It was Givens who got the high lever- good, highest good leverage point. spot really with good guys point. on base Yep, in the, in the eighth inning to get um, to get Wick out of the jam. So if anything, Givens was kind of the fireman in that, in that game today. Again, it's just one game. We don't know if this is the actual pecking order, if it's a, if it's a true committee or what the matchups were and that sort of thing, but it's definitely not a good sign for Rowan Wick. I will say that. Um, I, I, I would definitely think this is down to Givens and Robertson. I wouldn't just assume it's only going to be Robertson because uh, Givens did come through in the clutch with a strikeout when they needed it with two outs to bail out Wick. So, um, and that, and that's just one thing too, like, and I will probably talk about this in a little bit, but like with takeaways on the, you know, these first week weekend of games or look at not just the box score, but like the situation that these guys are in, who they're facing, when they're coming in, are they coming in with guys on base? Cause you might miss that kind of Givens tidbit that he just pitched the eighth and and that was it. And Robertson was the ninth. Like that, that is what happened, but you, you miss a little bit of context um, by doing it that way. So just an interesting thing, but yeah, uh, we'll see Chicago. Uh, Robertson did look good. He, he was painting the corners. Um, fastball was sitting like 93 to 95. So that was, that was decent. And um, if you, if you, if Robertson's available, absolutely take a stab at him because he pitched the ninth today. And as far as we know, it could be him going forward, but um, either him or Givens probably a slight lean to Robertson at this point. Yeah. I think it's a lean to Robertson, but I, I like your, your point on Givens there. Like it's, he got the high leverage and that's very, very he important. Did. Some things we don't always look at when we go to break things down. It's like, it's a, that's a really, really good point you made on that one Two, um, just real quick too, while we're talking about that game, two crazy things in that game was the uh, first, I mean, you touched on it, Nico Herner mm-hmm. hitting a home run off of, Corbin Burns like you could you could have given me like 15, 15 guesses I never would have thought he'd have been the one to do it let's put it that way has not hit a home run in the majors since 2019 Burns I think gave up 
seven home runs all of last season. So that was wild. And then the other wild thing was Kyle Hendricks striking out seven to Burns's four. Um, did not see that coming as well. Hendricks looked actually he looked okay. He gave up three walks as well, but um, I don't know. You can't predict ball. That's, that's the beauty of this game and, and overreacting to opening day was seeing Kyle Hendricks almost get twice as many K's as Burns and then Burns give up a home run to Nico Horner. Nothing to take away from it at all, I think, but just fun stuff. Very, very fun stuff. That is a hundred percent correct. Now, um, when we look at uh, this, I want to switch over to Cleveland and Kansas City because there were a couple of things that stood out to me quite a bit, and I always screw up when I look at these these charts for um, Savant. But one thing I did hear from people is, you know, Bieber went four and two thirds. I didn't expect him to go too long, but he really didn't throw with a lot of gas. I think his highest pitch, I'm looking ninety one point eight miles an hour. He was kind of sitting around ninety most of the game with his fastball which is not Bieber-esque, let's put it that way. Um, were there any – I know it's one game, so we probably shouldn't go crazy over this. But do you have any concerns when you see something like that? I do. I mean, yeah, the fastball, let's see, he threw 28 fastballs and average velocity 90.6 miles an hour, which is down two and a half – or no, 2.2 miles per hour from last season. So, yeah, you never like to see a drop in fastball velocity that far. It was – I mean, it was – it for folks who watched that game, it was brutally cold. Yeah. Um, it was windy, it rained, it sleeted for a half inning. <laughs> um, it, it was not ideal conditions. So, like, yes, you don't want to see a drop in velocity like that from Bieber, but also take that weather into account. Like it was it was rough um at Kaufman today. So um still, I mean, Bieber still had seven. The slider was working, seven whiffs on the slider and 24 pitches. The curveball looked pretty good as well. Um, no whiffs on that fastball. So again, a little bit of a concern, but I wouldn't wouldn't read too much into it yet. Let's see where Bieber uh sits at these, these next couple starts. Obviously, if you drafted Bieber, you're not, I mean, he you're you're all, he's he's an auto start. You're not dumping him. You're not. I wouldn't really even look to trade him right now. Uh, but that's one thing to keep in mind is is the weather, especially in these early April games. Both uh, Chicago was really cold too. I did not feel um, too jealous to not be at one of those two games today and be on the golf course instead. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple other takeaways. Tristan McKenzie piggybacked that star that was mm-hmm. reported on the broadcast. I didn't know about it before the game, but they talked about that afterwards. He threw three innings, gave up a couple runs. If you have McKenzie, he will find the rotation. I yep. won't get too, wouldn't get too worried about that. That's just early season stuff, in my opinion. Am I wrong, or are you on the same page there? Nope, same deal. And the, okay. um, the Cleveland crew uh, mentioned that same. The announcers mentioned that same thing. So. Um, but I want to go over to the Kansas City side. We talked about Chicago's bullpen, and we know Kansas City. We kind of had the idea it was Scott Barlow's role, but you know, there's Stamont, there's Brents, there's other options in that bullpen, and you never know what they're going to do. And with our first game here, Granky first off went five and two thirds. I think we talked about Granky in the past, or I don't know somewhere, and he did what he, he does one K, but he ate up innings, limited damage. Like he's got a bunch of hard hits, but limited the damage. But the takeaway for me is Brents came for an inning, Stamont a third of an inning. Barlow got the two inning, uh, two inning save, I believe, in this one. Two inning win, he win. Came in I just see yeah, two yep, inning win. He scored in the eight. Eight. Was, yep. Yeah, two inning win for Scott Barlow out of the bullpen. So, a couple things. Looks like it's Barlow's for now. Same time, two innings might mean this is a leverage thing. We might see more mixing and matching, basically. So I know it's just one game, but any thoughts on this usage? 
Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, highest leverage was Barlow, and I, I still think he's the guy. I think this is just an example of Kansas City. They are willing to kind of get out a little bit from that traditional closer role. So um, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think the plan was for him to go two innings anyway. Um, Barlow's first inning, I think he only threw like 10 or 12 pitches. So it was a very light inning. And then they threw him back out there uh, with the lead in the ninth. So they did not go to anybody else to get the save chance in the ninth inning, which is probably a good sign for Barlow. Uh, still think he's the guy and you got a, you got a free win out of him today. So that's pretty good. Plus two innings of good ratios and a couple Ks. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, we'll head over to Pittsburgh and uh, St. Louis. And oh, yeah. Part of your outline here is the Pirates suck, and yeah, nine to oh. nothing. Like, like I knew it would be bad, but this was rough, and so rough that uh, Wainwright looked downright yeah. filthy. When you look at uh, just his overall, his line here, he got six innings, five hits, no runs, six Ks, no walks. Looked very efficient there. And when you look at a little deeper, when it comes to Wayne, just his overall production, because I had like Curlin and some other guys messaging me in a DM. He was he was pumping with some gas early on. He finished with an average of almost 90 on the sinker, which for him still pretty good. Like if he can sit around 90 with his other pitches, that could be fun. I know he threw a 67 mile an hour curveball at one point in time. So that was uh, fun as well. But I was worried about Wayno coming in this year, coming off that monster season. And obviously it's the Pirates. I'm not going to overreact here. But what's your thoughts on this performance from him? Or is, do, you, do you credit him with being pretty good or is it the Pirates are that bad? I guess a little bit of both, but I would say the Pirates, especially with uh, with Cabrian Hayes leaving the game after his first at bat, um, a bad lineup got even worse. Like there was nobody except for when Brian Vo- Reynolds. Vogelbach I mean, is leading Vogelbach's off, like, hitting what? lead off. <laughs> the the other Diego Castillo stepped in at, and was hitting thirds. Uh, Yoshi Susigo is your he went two Clean for three. He did go two for three. <laughs> um, was pinch hit for by Josh Van Meter before Kevin Newman. Like it's um I feel bad for Pirates fans. We knew it was gonna be this way, but it was just uh, we were sitting there on the couch and and looking at the Pirates lineup, and it was just like, man, it 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 just drove the point home. Like you need to be streaming anybody available in your leagues this year against the pirates because if this was their opening day lineup and and fortunately for brian hayes it sounds like this was minor and good for him for inking that contract before they came this morning um he'll be back it sounds like on saturday which which is awesome news for him but barely moves the needle and i would expect brian reynolds to probably get dealt anyway there are rumors of that before the season but uh but yeah just drove point drove the point home that uh that's a that's a terrible lineup, a terrible bullpen. Um, JT Brubaker was the opening day starter. Did not look good. Surprise. Um, just just not good stuff in Pittsburgh this year. A little more on the Cardinals real quick here. Carlson let off. Very productive. Scored a couple of runs. But you had Tyler O'Neill, a couple of hits, five RBIs in a home run. Arenado went deep. Tommy Edmond even went deep. Harrison Bader had a couple of hits. So your fantasy relevant players pretty much gave you a little bit of something in this game, which was fun. Um, any, any oh, thoughts Goldschmidt. on these guys? Goldschmidt stole a base, yeah. which is, which is, which is we, huge. Walked which four is times. Tremendous. But... Yeah. Um, so any thoughts yeah. on the, the cards? 
Not really. I, I, again, you don't want to overreact, uh, but it was really good to see Goldschmidt steal a base. Like I, I, if you have any light at all at any point during the season, especially from someone who's older and at a position where you don't get many steals, like that's important to me. So that was good to see uh, Goldie do his thing there. It was kind of cool to see Tommy Edmund go deep after yeah. all of the. Uh, oh, I'm one of the haters, so yeah. Oh. It was... <laughs> There's oh, just yeah. been a lot of. Um, I'll say pre-opening day victory laughing about yep. his lineup spot, which yep. whatever. Uh, he had a home run out of the ninth hole, and, and that was fun. It was a it was they, barely they, a wall. They had, so they, had they had to it. They had to ump review it. They had to review it. It hit the top of the wall. Uh, the ump reviewed it, and it was the first time that we had heard the ump, uh, you know, kind of like football Mike. style. Like, yep. yeah, the player's under review. He didn't actually say that, but he did say something to the effect of you know, the call on the field stands or something like that. Uh, so that was kind of cool uh, to see that, to hear that for the first time. But, uh, but yeah, some poetic justice. I saw Toby tweeted out a, um, a fun little uh, thing on Tommy Edmund got some, got some, got some razzing on Twitter today. So um, who knows, but yeah, Edmund did, Edmund did hit ninth, but did hit a bomb out of there uh, as, as short as it actually traveled. Yeah. We'll see how that continues on for sure. But it was a fun uh, drubbing as it might be all weekend. If you're a Pirates fan, Rob DiPietro's in the chat and he says, uh, that awesome trendy retro light looks like it's Bloomfield's mic when it's right over your shoulder oh, this like thing, that. This thing behind me. Thanks, Rob. I, I um, don't know if I don't know if trendy's the right word. It was just in my basement, but Rob's in Rob's in uh, on the team Edmund train because him, Toby, Weimer, and um, the robot are all in a group chat together. So you, they're all on team Edmund. So keep keep an eye on that one. But let's Charge head to, to the nation's capital where Tyler Miguel got the start because Max Scherzer to get pushed back a day, and Miguel did not disappoint. Five innings, three hits, no walks, six Ks. Pure filth is the the nicest way I'll put it. It was just nasty. And his fastball maxed out at 99, average 96. Changeup averaged almost 90. Um, his CSW on the day was 34%, which is pretty, pretty good, if you ask me. So... It, this this Nats team, like we know they're not great, but it ain't no joke either. Um, and he was filthy, absolutely filthy, Ryan. He was. It was awesome to see Siler McGill do his thing. Took him in the fourteenth round, Siler which McGill. Is the, uh, <laughs> which was the earliest I took. Uh, I took Cy in the main last night, and so I was I was watching his start um, with with interest today. And yeah, the fastball velocity, like he came out, the adrenaline was pumping because he was like almost sitting 98 in the first inning and the second inning was down more to like uh 95 96 but you're right average 96.1 which is a buck and a half higher than last year the changeup had a lot of downward movement to it got him out of a double play right after a, a i believe it was a francisco lindor error and the next uh so that that showed something good too uh, mcgill rebounded from that induced a double play with the change up if you watch one at bat um in on opening day watch mcgill versus juan soto i believe it was in the second or third inning um mcgill just blew 98 with uh runners on the corners and one out it was a big spot in the game blew 98 right past soto and it was it, the whole at bat was really fascinating but if you if you go back and watch one at bat today um i would i would watch mcgill versus soto in the um probably was the third inning actually um check that out it was really cool 
few innings later, Trevor May pitched uh, through the same pitch to Soto, who hit it in the upper deck. Uh, I think Mays was at like 96 to McGill's 98. So those two miles an hour difference matter. Especially, especially and, to a guy like Soto. Uh, exactly. Especially to a yeah. guy like Soto. So, well, it's funny. I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute. But it was it's funny that May is the one that gave it up because – it was one of their last spring training games against the Nationals. May was talking in the dugout, and I remember they showed the clip, and uh, Soto hit an oppo bomb, and uh, he announced it for the match. He goes, so do you want to get, tell us what you think with a little play-by-play of that? He's like, yeah, he's good. What do you want me to tell you? About <laughs> <laughs> all you can say. Yeah, he's like, he's good. What do you want me to do? <laughs> that uh, Speaking of lineups, we were just talking about the Pirates. Yeah, the Nationals lineup is brutal. Um, outside, of, outside of Soto and Cruz, that's a pretty – it's a pretty rough. That's a pretty rough crew. We've got Victor Robles bunting already in his first at bat, trying to get um, Alcides Escobar from first to second. Like oh, it's, uh, it's, it's not good. It's not good outside of those two for the Nationals. But, um, but, but yeah, uh, McGill. Going back to McGill, you know, you don't want to don't want to claim victory at all after one start. But he looked he looked really impressive. Let's see how far. A, how far he can take this, but also how far he can keep that velocity bump. Like, you don't want to go too crazy over one outing, but um, yeah. but he did look really good today. And at least we don't have to talk about the A's lineup because that's I, I'm, I'm afraid to see what that looks like tomorrow. Next, so that's going to be next week's pod. Oh man, that'll be we could spend an hour talking about how bad it is. Um, real quick, just because I, I have to, because people ask my Patrick Corbin thoughts all the time, mm-hmm. but I was excited to see him. You know, he's hit 92. With the fastball averaging almost 91, which is good to see him again. He had a 28% CSW on the fastball, which made me feel a little better about life on and an overall 28% CSW out there. So still, can you want more? Yes, 100%. But he was much more be- – he was better. Let's put that way. I don't know the exact word to use with Corbin this go-around, but very serviceable, that's for sure. So if he can continue that – you can make do this season. We'll see how it continues on, but that was a at least a little bit of a, a bright moment when it came to Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and, and I think it was scoreless through the first few innings, and then it all kind of mm-hmm. unraveled at once. But the big thing I was I've been watching with Corbin is is fastball velocity. He was the biggest gainer in fastball velocity last season from the second half to first half, and that went down a little bit this tonight to ninety two point three, down a buck and a half from last year. So. Um, I'm a little worried. We'll see. Yeah. I'm a little worried that, and only two whiffs on 24 sliders. Like you don't want to see that. Um, keep the faith. I'm not not saying to give up on your boy, but, um, let's, let's make, let's maybe bench him for, for next week. I don't know who they play, but I don't um, even think, I I don't think, I don't even think I had him in every lineup to put it that way. I I didn't need to thank God, but, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting as things go along. Reds at the Braves. Tyler Molle, five innings, no earned, seven Ks. Uh, dodged some bullets, but got the job done. Max Fried, on the other hand, great first inning. Not great the rest of the way. Five and two-thirds, five earned, five strikeouts. And his way to his uh, loss on the season. Any thoughts on these two starting pitchers? One very good, one not so much. I've been really interested to see what Tyler Malley would look like. Um and yeah, this was a very big step forward. Mali in the second half, I believe it was the second half of last year where things kind of went haywire for him. Yeah, in the second half, Mali had a well 387 ERA, but the swing, the strikeout rate went way down. In the first half last season, it was 30% down to 25%. In the second half, with the drop in velocity, with the drop in swinging strike rate, and especially on the slider, it got a lot fewer whiffs in the second half. 
last season. So um, I know that Tyler Malley has better skills than what we saw at the end of last season. It was nice for him to do this against a really good lineup. So that context can work both ways to do what Malley did against Atlanta in Atlanta, even without a Cunha. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded lineup um, is, is really good for, for uh, the first start and for going forward. So good on Malley. Yeah. Austin Riley, three for four with the bomb. He had a big day, but the only guy that did anything for Atlanta. So that was good to see. Uh, flip side, Brandon Jury. We thought Nico Horner was a fun one. Brandon Jury, who I couldn't even have told you played on the Reds, um, hit a home run, a, a three-run homer that kind of did the separating in this game. So that was a fun one as well. Might be lying when, uh, when yeah, if I said I knew Brandon yeah. Drury was starting tonight for the Reds. That was one that popped up on my phone, MLB home run, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm with you on that one. Uh, there's two games still going on. I just want to mention San Diego, Arizona. Darvish had a no-no through six. He lost it, but he had a no-no through six, which is pretty impressive on opening day. So that's fun. Um, really not much we can take away. Otani looked okay in his limited. Framber's still on in the seventh right now as he's Mr. Efficient in this game. Uh, any quick thoughts on these two games as we're kind of still hanging in, in air with these ones? Just ground balls galore from Framber Valdez. I don't think people realize – how elite that skill is no one mm-hmm. in the last i believe it's the last 20 years that i've gone back and looked had the amount of innings and a over 60 percent um ground ball rate that framber valdez had last season so um it 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 got him tonight he got he got out of a double play early in the game um that got him out of a jam so that was that was good to watch um and then the other game, what, what was oh Sandy? Yeah, so I was interested in seeing Madison Bumgarner because he was one yeah. of I put I put a bloom board out last or early this week, I believe, just kind of wrapping up spring training, and I did a velocity increase for uh, at least the parks that not not every spring training park has that cast, so it's not a full list, uh, but I put out velocity fastball velocity gainers in 2022 spring training versus um, versus last season, and Madison Bumgarner. I was back up sitting like 92. He's one of the top gainers from last season. So I was interested to see how he would look against San Diego. And I think he walked the bases loaded in the third or fourth inning, had four walks on the night, only went three innings. So it must've been the beginning of the fourth and um, disappointing. I was taking, I was looking at in the main last night, taking a stab at Bumgarner and like after the 25th round, I ended up not getting him. Uh, But just interesting to see. Let's see where uh, I don't. I don't have the velocity in front of me for how he looked tonight, but um, the lack of control for Bumgarner is a little bit uncharacteristic. But I was interested to see how he looked, and I guess he did not. Uh, Let me tell you, test. I got it right here. So, Mad Bum maxed out at uh, eighty nine seven on the cutter, ninety three one on the four seam. Uh, so uh-huh. he averaged ninety one six on the four seam. Uh, only uh, he had zero whiffs on six four seam. Fa- or no, he had twenty two four seam fastballs. Six swings, zero whiffs on the fastball. He only had four total whiffs on 28 swings today. Not great. No. 19% CSW overall. You want much more than that, of course. So uh, we'll see. He had 16 foul balls, so guys were fouling him off. He just wasn't putting them away. Yeah, the walks are going to do him in because he needs to be efficient without being dominant these days. So that's going to be interesting to see how that one plays. And – Anthony Rendon, oh, just foul, just foul. This is why I love doing podcasts with games on. It just totally like stops everything. But um, it's, it's wonderful audio, I'm sure. But, oh yeah, people uh, love cool it for us. People love it. But uh, let's talk about some things we're looking forward to this weekend because we kind of 
if people listen to how he broke down these games, you kind of see what we're looking forward to, mm-hmm. like uh, paying attention to things. And uh, I don't go into every game, but games I'm curious about, I will look at and and do the quick perusing on these. But um, you got velo changes down here. Anybody in particular, or just in general, are you looking for velocity changes? Uh, yeah, that's just in general velocity changes, and it's a great point, Bubba. Like we've kind of hit on these a little bit as we've gone through just the the, the smaller list of games at opening day. Um, velocity changes but like like i said with the bieber example kind of try and take a little bit of context especially early april games mm-hmm. with the weather um, luis castillo would like to talk to you if you don't understand this yes luis castillo <laughs> would like to have a word and he fortunately gets to skip april as he's delayed with a shoulder injury which maybe not is fortunate for him yeah but we'll see um one thing we haven't talked about just because i have not been able to look at this information yet but i will be uh, very soon and probably putting stuff out on Twitter on things that I find a pitch mix changes. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this with the Suarez example earlier being aggressive with drops. I, I think that's even much more important on the pitcher side. This is the time to be able to try and look at not only who has the best, you know, strikeout minus walk rate and that sort of thing, but go one level deeper and see, is there an actual like change in approach that's driving that? And pitch mix is a great way to do that pitch mix and velocity. But um, if you see guys upping usage on some of their better pitches, throwing a new pitch, fading a bad pitch, that sort of thing, throwing, you know, ditching a four seamer for a cutter with a little bit more movement, those types of things. And, and they're getting skills, even if it's for like a start or two, you need to be aggressive early in the season in fab and then go after those guys. I mean, Lucas Giolito is the ultimate example of that. When he broke out with um, with the White Sox, he had the velocity increase and a change in pitch mix. People who identified that early in April and pounced and fab had the whole season to reap those rewards. So um, pitch mix changes is definitely something that I'll be diving into and looking at this weekend. And then bullpen usage. Again, uh, use the example of the Cubs and the Reds to, I guess have an example of how we look at that for certain games. So I won't go too much into there, but yeah, look at, look at when these guys are being used, what kind of leverage, if there's any uh, matchup things to take into consideration with uh, bullpen. So those are, those are the three big things that I'm looking at on the pitcher side this weekend. Yeah. The bullpen one will be big because there's a lot of question marks and, you know, we made a lot of moves on this first fab week, but there might be a few that pop up here. Uh, this week and just based on usage and mm-hmm. and like you said the givens thing is a perfect example like you, you it's not just starting pitchers we have to look at the conditions and the situation relievers is big too and that's how guys like phil Dusso and greg jewett and doug dennis and all these guys go out and uh they see the leverage and that might not be the closer next week or the week after but they'll be there in three weeks stuff mm-hmm. like that and so it's just something to keep an eye on if you want to start specking for a buck or two instead of spaying in like 160 bucks these are the ways to do it like it's the old saying I know Vlad and other guys talk about it, is you should be churning and burning something on your roster. Well, if you have a Robert Suarez, go see who got some high leverage spots this past weekend and go, I'd, I'd be willing to go that route type situation. Yep. But um, little things like that with the closers is definitely a good thing to see. Um, and then I, I like the pitch mix and velo because the spring training is so annoying. We haven't got to see a lot of it because it's just not available which is tough and um, Zimmerman's been busy. So he wasn't doing the, the velocity change charts and I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. So it, um, it will be done something to definitely keep an eye on. Cause like we saw Giolito, he got bigger and was throwing better this spring that moves his ADP up. But is it a real thing? Was it a spring thing? Well, we'll find out this weekend, at least in one start for a little bit. So definitely some kind of a 
things along those lines. Before we get to the hitters things, I feel like I did a disservice to an individual if we don't talk about it real quick. We skipped right over it, but I saw the bottom line come through, and I'm like, oh, Kyle Hendricks was filthy today. Filthy with the changeup. I'm not sure if you saw it or not, so I feel really bad that we because he's a guy he that everybody wanted last year, came through this year. He had 13 whiffs on 22 swings on his changeup with a 45% CSW. It was filthy. Follow um, if if I'm sure most listeners are following Alex Chamberlain on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex has been a big Hendrix proponent for years now. He he had a, a good little I don't know soliloquy, mini thread, whatever on Kyle Hendricks. Uh, so check that out. I will not even attempt to pronounce mm-hmm. his Twitter handle. So just search Alex yeah. Chamberlain Fangraphs and you'll find him. Um, yeah, 13 whiffs on 33 changeups is pretty sweet. Um, We'll see. It's worth pointing out. It's worth pointing out. That's why I wanted to bring it up, though, because I'm still slightly hesitant from what we saw last year. Again, yeah. weather, first game of the year, early game, lots of things could be in play. But, man, if he could find that role that he had all before last year, that could be fun. That yep. could be fun. And had in the, your had the three walks, but yeah. I don't know, in your, one game. In your 10 and 12 team leagues, probably more 10, he might still be available. So yeah. it make and as I try to remind people, most people play in ten and twelve team leagues. So keep an eye when you start searching that kind of stuff. Um, things you're looking for this weekend when it comes to hitters, Ryan. Hitter side, I'm I'm much more, and this is maybe just my style. I don't know. Um, I'm much more patient with hitters. If you've got, I mean, obviously, if Mike Trout goes over twenty this weekend, you're not doing. You're keeping him in your lineup. Um, I, I feel like pitchers can reinvent themselves a lot quicker and it's just a lot easier to quantify things like velocity, pitch mix, movement, that sort of thing, than it is to see if a hitter has remade himself. Um, I think you need to be a lot more patient on the hitter side. So I'm not really looking at hitter skills for quite a while, actually. Um, even if I have like a, trying to think of just like a random 15th round pick, um, whatever if i if i drafted someone in the you know middle rounds and he struggles for the first week or two i'm still probably not doing anything about it the only thing i'm really looking at for hitters is is playing time and and lineup position things like that um i do especially some of the fringe guys um if they're not playing then that's that's an issue um you want guys on your team that play this sounds really simple like you know they don't play pay us the big bucks to say that but um Playing time is important. If, yep. if you've got fringe guys who are not playing, you need to look at dropping them and be aggressive and finding guys that do play. Uh, but in terms of a of a skill, if, if someone's got a high strikeout rate, a low hard hit rate, a low barrel rate through the first month of the season, a lot of that is just variance, and I'm, I'm really not too worried about it. If there's one thing you want to look at, if you're just eager and itching to find something, you can use um, – max exit velocity is what a lot of a lot of people like to use in really small samples and that's just that's basically just what's your hardest hit ball and how fast did it go and you can compare that to last season um and that there have been a lot a lot of studies done on max exit velo um that kind of at least make it somewhat predictable in in small samples compared to everything else that we have available in the tool set so if you're itching to do something um max exit velocity but again i would uh i would be patient with your hitters as long as they're playing yeah i'm 100 with you and and there's been tons of great work done on uh for hitters how long it takes to actually stabilize to get like a feel of how these guys are actually doing good or bad because 
everybody slumps throughout the season. It's just, what do you do when you're not slumping? And yep. it's the old jokes. Like if they play almost every day, it, like the difference between hitting like two, like 280 and 300 or something was like three hits a month or something. Yep. It's like so minuscule in the grand scheme of things that you panic over it, but you really shouldn't. It's like so silly. Um, like you mentioned, McGill gave up one hit. That was a blooper to left field. Like that counted for the guy's batting average. Just remember that. So um, it, it's, don't panic and, and kind of sit and wait. I'm with you there. The pitchers, when you can see some like velo issues or whatever, that's you can maybe put a little more red flag up on that and get ahead of the game there. Where a hitter, it's just, you know, he might still be getting loose. Smaller spring training. This is, he's not facing the double A pitcher in the second inning today. He's facing Yo- Shohei Otani for three at bats. Like, make difference. So, and plus this week, and you're getting most of the top of the rotation, then you will next week. So keep that in mind Good also. Point. Um, playing time, though, I, as if I sat down and like started looking at team by team, I could name a bunch of guys. But one guy I wanted to just bring up because, I am seriously looking at playing time. And we talked, there's a listener question on lineups, so I won't mention some other guys till then. But Josh Lowe is one I seriously want to look at because I think some of us are either fortunate or not, depends on how you look at it, that uh, he got dropped this past week in a lot of leagues because you should have. You should have dropped him. He was in the minor leagues until Austin Meadows got traded. And now you have Josh Lowe up here who on paper should have an everyday playing time, but he might not because it's the Rays. So I want to see that before I put fab bids in this weekend because he, a, yep. Yeah, he yep. has 2020 upside, but I want to see him play. So that's interesting. And that is, we will see, I mean, by fab Sunday, we will have three data points. So we'll have three lineups to see how Tampa has used him. I, I would think, I would hope if you're bringing someone of Lowe's caliber up that you're going to play every day, but we did not see that with CJ Abrams, for example, mm-hmm. um, with the Padres tonight. So we'll see. But yeah, monitor those lineups. That's a perfect example, Bubba, of, of who's playing. And even with someone like Lowe, I don't really care where he hits. If he hits yeah. ninth, I, you know, whatever. As long as he's playing, I'm I'm happy and I'm 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 aggressive this weekend in fab. So that's, he's a that's legit a 2020 call. bat. So if he's at least playing every day, I'm in. But yeah. you know, we got to see how that one plays out. Um, some listener questions here before we head on out and uh, enjoy the end of this pitcher's duel in Anaheim. Uh Simon P asks, my ML only auction is this weekend. Bellinger and Yellick will be available for bidding. So what do you guys think? My gut says avoid, but I'm no expert. There's about 30% inflation. And for some context, Castellanos is being kept at $38, Harper at 37. How much would you pay for Bellinger and Yellick? It's NL only. If he said AL only, I'd quickly say, I mean, if he said mixed league, I'd quickly say no, because it's just my, my philosophy on these guys. But NL only guys are in play yeah they are yeah bellinger and yelich are absolutely not avoids in in nl only it's easy to sit here and just kind of bag on these two guys and yelich i mean we didn't talk about this but he he looked terrible today yeah Uh, robertson made him look uh foolish with a curveball late in the in the game again just one at bat but like man uh just did not have the aggressiveness and just uh, it it didn't look good for yelich today that said, yeah, and then I'll only there those guys are probably worth at least twenty bucks. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know your you know with with inflation and that sort of thing, whatever. But those are those are those are guys you don't want to avoid. I would say if you had to pick one right now, I would I would lean Bellinger, um, and I've I've been that way throughout draft season just because Bellinger is younger, um, does not have the kind of back stuff that can recur with Yelich and I don't know like I said one at bat today or one game today but watching Yelich today didn't did nothing to change that opinion 
Um, one other thing I'll add, and I saw this on Twitter, is three of the smartest guys in, in fantasy yeah. baseball are on um, Bellinger, and that's yep. Phil Dussault, that's Vlad, and that's Casey Cha. Yep. And, you know, it's not a, a blind appeal to authority, but if those three guys are all in on someone like Bellinger and you're, and you're deciding between a Bellinger and a Yelich, um, go belly and, and, and blame those three guys if it doesn't work out. Oh, trust me. I have a bunch of, uh, I am a very sarcastic person. My friends understand that. So I'm going to have fun with Vlad if things go wrong because Vlad gets it. But uh, mm-hmm. Vlad usually doesn't get things wrong very often. So we'll see how this goes. You got you to um, pick your spots and go with him. Exactly. Yeah. But one question I, I want to kind of play devil's advocate here for a second because I don't play a lot of only leagues. You obviously at least play some. Um, with the idea with Yelich, barring just complete catastrophe, He's going to play pretty much every day and probably in the middle of that order, which is a good order. Where Bellinger, there's still avenues of potential platoons like we saw at times last year. Would that change your approach in the draft? Or is that just like, hey, some, it happens. Like, okay, things went wrong, it happens. And you still go Bellinger? Or do you kind of put that into play at all for an NL only situation? Um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good point. Uh, because in these only leagues, at-bats are king. Um, you you have to have guys that play. I'd still lean Bellinger, even with that that risk. You're right. Like as long as Yelich is not on the IL, he's he's gonna play in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the more Yelich plays, he's kind of just doing more and team. more damage yeah. to your team. So like uh, in this case, I'd, I'd still go Belly. Ooh, Alex Bregman going deep. There yep. we go. Um, Yancey Eaton, you guys might have heard of him before. Good buddy. Uh, biggest lineup order surprise. Okay, here we go. Nola was leading off versus a lefty. Swanson batting ninth. We kind of knew Swanson was there. If you follow Mike Curlin, um, Aristis Aquino batting second. It's because a lefty was on. I guarantee you, Tyler Naquin will be on there tomorrow. Just gonna throw that one out there. But that's a platoon thing, which you're gonna see this weekend. Um, and then CJ Abrams. This is one I want to talk about. Didn't he made the team but didn't start? I think it's because a lefty was on the mound. That's my two cents. Abrams is more of a platoon piece for now, contrary to what a lot want to believe. Yeah, I think it probably is platoon for now. And I'm just trying to see. No, he has not come in yet since Bumgarner's been out of the game. But that's probably what it is with Abrams. Um, I'd, I'd still, similar to what we were just talking about with Lowe, I would like to see Abrams get everyday playing time if you're going to have someone of his caliber of a prospect. I know he hasn't had a lot of time in the high minors, which is concerning to me. Uh, but if you're going to call that guy up, I mean, use him. I mean, they, yep. they, they started Kim tonight who did have a steal. Um, but I would like to see Abrams. I mean, you're just stunning his growth. If you don't play him against lefties, it's just that reinforcing, okay, he can't hit lefties, but then you also don't give him a chance to actually do it. And one of my biggest wrong. pet peeves, man. So. Yeah, I, I, I've heard, I heard it for years as a Giants fan with Brandon Belt. They said it all the time. You can't hit him, can't hit him, because they never let him. They finally let him hit him. He's a little better than league average. Like, he's not killing your team. Like, they'll never hit him if you don't let him hit him, like you said. So, I hate that with a passion when people do that. Uh, one one, sure, one yeah. quick lineup thing that, uh, just to answer the question, and this may be sarcastic, but it would be cleanup hitter Matt Duffy. Ooh. Is the most surprising thing as Jordan Alvarez goes Bomb. deep off Bomb. Ryan Tepera to <laughs> deep center lefty. field. Um, yeah, I clean miss, up hitter Matt that. Duffy. I missed having that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing Otani, Trout, Rendon, Matt Duffy was was interesting. Yeah, Matt Duffy hitting cleanup. I literally had the double take when I saw. I tweeted it out like, "What?" 
because like out of all the options on that roster, that was your cleanup hitter. But that's Joe Madden at his finest, right there, folks. That's what Joe Madden does. Um, so that was surprising. The other one I wanted to t- to bring up. I'm glad I was going to go right past this, but I wanted to talk about it. Johnny VR was not in the lineup today at all with a righty on the mound. Was I not happy? No, I wasn't. But part of when the move happened. I'm like, my goal is 130 to 140 games. I think we talked about it on this show when it first happened. That's what he usually plays. That means you're going to give the kids a chance. And then when things get rocky, VR starts to get his. Secondly, home opener, you're going to let the kids go play in the home opener. That's kind of my thought. I I could be wrong. I could be staying optimistic here. But I'm not in full panic mode if I have Johnny VR yet. Because if you drafted Johnny VR to be a starter on your team, that's a problem already too. So I'm not I'm not panicking on VR. What were your thoughts when he was not in the lineup? I I agree. I didn't want to I didn't want to see him not out there, uh, but not panicking either. A lot of mostly because a like you mentioned, Bubba, you didn't hopefully didn't draft him assuming he'd be a full time player. I do think eventually he probably will be because this leads to my next point is that VR just has so many different paths to playing time. Um, I think we mentioned this uh, last show where. Uh, HQ, we've got him projected second, third, short outfield. And so if any one of those um, those open up, VR is, is there and probably is a full-time player. So yes, on opening day, maybe a little disappointing that he didn't get in there. But I, if I drafted VR, I am not... I'm not cutting him this week over this and I I would at least give it another week, see how often he plays. And then maybe even beyond that and just let, um, for example, Patrick wisdom, uh, tumble, let, I I know even though Nico Horner went deep, like let, let, let's see how these guys fare over a longer sample before we give up on, uh, on VR who basically backs up everybody in that lineup. So. Yep, 100% agree, so don't panic yet. Uh, the Doc Mike Carter, he was the one that asked, what do the White Sox do for three weeks without Yuan Moncada? We talked about that earlier. Jake Berger time for now, so maybe get a side of fries and enjoy. Um, MS, at SMMS asks, is it even worth speculating on a Minnesota closer role given their past propensity to shuffle guys in and out of the role? We kind of hit on that too, if you want to rehash it real quickly for him. Um, I'm not going to speculate much unless you can get really cheap with Emilio Pagan. That's where I would speculate. So that's the thing. Like, yeah, it, it kind of depends on the, on, the, on the question being like, what 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 are you giving up by speculating? Um, so if it costs you nothing to pick up a Duffy or a Pagan, and those would be my two in that order, then absolutely do it and let's see how it shakes out. If it's a tough drop or you have to spend a good chunk of your fab money, again, given the, given the information we know as of opening day, night, opening night, um, I would not open up the wallet for one of those two guys. So it all depends on what you're giving up to um, to hold either one. Yeah, yeah, 100% with you on this one. But uh, Ryan, it's going to wrap us up, friend. Opening days in the books. Any final thoughts as we head into the weekend? So we kind of hit on most of it, but any final thoughts for the listeners? We got Masters weekend, big weekend. We got yeah. more baseball. All like there's 13 games on Friday. There's five games early if you're DFS brain. Five games early, three middle games, and then five late games. It's spread out through the entire day. It's glorious. I, I was gonna say tomorrow. I mean, today it was kind of. We were. I was saying this to my buddy. I mean, it was kind of lackluster. Like, yeah. especially the afternoon slate. There were only two games. There were a couple cancellations. I know, uh, but there were only those two afternoon games, and three of the four teams were Kansas City, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. So it was just kind of like, 
Uh, but yeah, Friday's the day, man. Um, so many games all, all day long. I would say just advice for this weekend, sit back and enjoy it. Like we have waited so long for this and there were, there were weeks this off season where I didn't even know that this would even happen. Um, definitely at least in April, uh, but even further than that with the CBA. So, so enjoy it. If you want to fire off some, some Twitter takes and, 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 relish in your first round pick going deep i don't care have fun with it uh, that's why we do this and then um and then regroup on sunday and 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 get prepped for your fab so that's what i would do enjoy the fact that we have games these next couple of days and then uh get back to the grind on on sunday by uh prepping your moves 100 percent agree have a lot of fun with it don't forget fab is just around the corner we have that weekly grind called fab so that'll be fun as well and for those that um do have Robert Suarez because Taylor Rogers isn't there yet. Suarez is starting the bottom of the ninth in a save situation. So you might get at least one <laughs> you might get at least one save out of this because Taylor Rogers, I doubt he's even in Arizona yet or at least playing. So at least you might get something out of this. Let's keep an eye on that. Now, if tomorrow Rogers is there and Suarez closes, everything we said goes out the window. So enjoy. <laughs> but uh, this is the fun of uh, That's fantasy hilarious. baseball. Rogers uh, is, is in route. Can't get to yep. the field in time to to show up for his for his ninth inning. That's, I, I hope he doesn't have like funny. a 30 save bonus clause and he finishes with 29 this year. That'd be a rough one. Because <laughs> his like flight that. was delayed. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, bad weather, couldn't get out. Yeah. But, all right, we'll wrap it up there, everybody. Again, you can check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm at BDN. This was Bub in the Bloom, episode three. Catch you guys next week. Yeah.